Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Lara Cowan. Lara, welcome. Hi, Amy. It's lovely to be here, to be back again. (laughs) Be back again. Well, that's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Why are you back again? Well, we recorded this this podcast before COVID. You are also, um, well, you quickly become quite an influential person in my life and you're very good at... um, making me sort of reflect on on things and, and and identifying things about me that you'd like to see shine so I through the, our last recording I kind of looked back and I thought oh I I didn't really talk about the things I really should have talked about enough and I've also afterwards COVID has brought about well the reflection time I've, I've given myself during COVID and the space and the extra meditation time and the extra intuitive coaching time has brought about some quite amazing changes you know in 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 my career so I'm actually at a very quite an important part of my life at the moment in my third career change (laughs) well it's very exciting and and I love that we are re-recording it and that the conversation that we had before has triggered you to sort of question what it was you were doing and whether that was in alignment with what was important to you and and why you were doing things because you know whilst you've been in, in your career all of this time in property, it's a slightly different tangent that you're on now. Yes, most definitely. I felt um, for many years, I've been in property, actually I started when I was 20, but I um, have been prodded by various people in my life and my inner sort of, not my inner monster, probably my inner angel to to work on my sort of part of me that cares about people and the part of me that loves being outdoors, I literally, you'll see me with a phone and a computer outdoors more often than you'll see me with indoors. So my transition now to working in wellness and to teaching people about the value of working outside, working in nature, I'm actually pivoting from a sort of bridge that I've been on in the property world. I joined a uh, network called the Propel Network um, with Aisha Afori, who is a former client, and we've been a wonderful complement to each other. But I, I, when she asked me to join, I, I asked her to put wellness in the mix there with property. Uh, so that was me sort of taking part. I need to work in wellness more, and you know, I need to be. It's, it's not you know property to not be my main thing. And now, I'm um, I'm actually making my sort of hobby or my blog called Botanic Shed into a new wellness business. And COVID manifested a business partner for me. During the time, I just had a chat with a friend. He said, what do you need? What do you want? Location, advice. And I said, yes, all of that. He goes, hang on a minute. I, I normally do things under my own brand, but I'd love to do this with you. And it's it's going to be called the School of Nature, Teaching the Art of Love. And it will really, hopefully, help me leave a legacy about how I've learned to be resilient or how I've noticed that nature has taught me and given me resilience um, and adversely how I've felt when I haven't been surrounded by nature. So it's very, very exciting time, actually. Exciting indeed. Yeah. I'm lucky that something good has come out of this 
very strange time we've been through. So teaching the art of love and, and resilience and the school of nature, what does that actually look like? It actually, in physical, in, in physical sort of terms, it'll be a school, it'll be a, um, a residential school, but we'll be also, we'll be able to teach people online um, around the world about, you know, to help their children learn about what, how important nature is and how one of the biggest things that people will find attractive is how to get away from computer screens say like that but what in physical terms it will actually be a biophilic wellness center in the woods in a, in a location near reading somewhere where people can go and be be in nature be in the woods be in the river in the lake um garden but learn about how that is actually affecting their state of being and also help them take tools away so they can share it with other people in their lives it will also have, and not immediately, but we'll have an equine assisted training facility because the two areas that I want to sort of, this intuitive coaching actually has helped me and, and me and just closing my eyes and realizing what actually brings me the most joy. It's being outdoors and being with horses, which is funny because I haven't really grown up with horses. Um, so it'll be in a, it will be a horse farm and an organic farm where people will come and learn. And I'm really keen on people learning and taking away those tools to share with their families. And horses are incredibly intuitive and they're used a lot for all sorts of, of trauma healing and, and, and counselling, essentially. They're brilliant. Yeah, they are incredible beings. Very, very, very sadly, um, the other day, one of the horses on this farm died and I've had a terrible few days as a result of it because I was already quite sad that he, he was in his stable because he'd had a broken leg. But just looking at, you know, spending time with them here, and even on, I did, I did a, a short course with a lady called Sun Tui in Sussex. If anyone's interested in finding somewhere they can go and do a short course um, on horse therapy now, she's brilliant. But they're incredibly powerful, dynamic, and divine beings, and really, and a really good example of resilience and being able to be sensitive, even though they're extremely traumatized really over the years and the bonds that you can build with a horse are incredible that they show great trust in us huge amount of trust when they're actually full of fear that's the funny thing that's why I think it's so important for us all to realize this we 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 are all reacting when our relationships go wrong mostly because of fear um, because of learnt, you know, reactions to being burnt by fire or burnt by certain people. But, you know, horses again and again and again have had those experiences. Um, and you can tell because of the way that they rear up and get shocked with little plastic bags on the street. But they, they dive in and offer you trust and friendship and they want to help you. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's yeah. very, very healing. And I think it's been one of my other sort of my main purpose in life, really, beyond this, and this has come from it, is just making sure that I've got a life and a situation for my daughter to be happy with and something to draw on from. So she's luckily just adopted the same type of passions from me. She's recently started growing lots of things. Um, and we're going to spend some time on a horse farm in Portugal soon when we're allowed to fly there. I think I might know the one you're going to, actually. I've, I've, you know Antonia Thorpe's friend, Michelle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I introduced Antonia to Michelle. Oh, she's been amazing over this last few weeks as well, because, um, she, she, you know, just telling her what I, my plans are and stuff, and she's just been so kind. 
but I am I am literally chomping at the bit like almost <laughs> because I've had to change my flights twice because of the FCA regulations. Yeah. Well, when you go to Michelle's amazing place that she's I've seen videos of, I haven't been there, I'd love to go. But she she once told me of a story where there was a lady who'd gone over there for some therapy and and sort of a, a retreat because it is a, a retreat place mm. and you're you're asked to lead the horse and she was walking backwards and they said to her why are you walking backwards leading the horse and she said oh my goodness that's how I approach my entire life I'm always looking into the past and walking backwards and that's that's what happened with the horse to have that relationship so yeah fascinating I love I'd love to hear how it goes yes it's absolutely fascinating I mean I'll go back to talking about love and the, and why love's so important and stuff and that our respect for nature but that's why I think horses are such a they're such a sort of cataclysmic um offering of nature you know their their being is like so powerful I think and I, another example I saw like yours is that we had to do a test with our sort of other other students on the course that we were on for this equine assisted therapy course which I found just by watching an, a tra- a, a, an army man's video about how he'd been trapped under his kitchen table he trapped himself co- surrounded by arms because he was so traumatized and, and horse therapy had healed him. So I was like, mm. what is this? This is incredible. And I, at the time, you know, I was dealing with trauma myself. So those type of things are interesting to me. But the actual uh, sort of um, test that we had to do was after we'd learned how to recognize that the horses could feel our every step. And it's particularly when you cross certain boundaries, they were really tensed up. We did it with each other. And I, I did it with this other woman. And um, I couldn't really reach her at all. If I, so they taught talk you to have a look at their uh, your your partner's hands and their body movements to see if they start to tense up and really wanted you to stop. And I started taking a few steps towards her, and I realised she didn't want me to go any further at all. Just a, just a sort of silent, non-verbal communication like that, and she burst into tears. And she said her whole life she's never had any boundaries. I don't know how deep it went, but. I certainly was like, my God, and we all rush around life, you know, saying this and that to you, sort of bounding into the kitchen when someone's feeling sensitive. And, you know, it's always, it's all, we're always doing a bit too much. And I just like to take this, this school and to teach everyone how to slow down and respect other people and respect themselves and um, really look after our hearts. Some of the most amazing, you know, um, things I've learned over the years is on, one of them is on this film called The Healing Field. And on that, they taught me that the, the, the magnetic field that the, the heart gives off is 5,000 times more powerful than the one in, in your head. Mm. You know, um, and another time I was at this energy healing school in Hammersmith. I went there for months on end. It made me feel great, but um, we moved away. But they said that, you know, why do you think we tense up or, or bend over when something goes wrong? Why are we sick? It's because our, we've got a bigger brain in our stomach than in our heads. And we all talk about our heads, but it's our hearts and all the nerves that are coming, you know, all around our body that really, really need to look after. Well, that's why the phrase hearts and minds, the heart always comes first. Yeah, exactly. The heart should always come first. But it doesn't often because fear comes first and fear is coming from memories that are trapped in our head. So, I, I mean, I, there's, I've got a lot to learn in terms of what I'm doing, but I've also, because I've been so interested in it, I know a lot of people who know a lot of stuff as well. So, intuitively, there's just little things that I think I've, I've learned just by being with people who needed help over the years, like family members who've really suffered. We garden together 
And I just one day I just thought about explaining the, the life of a, of, a, of a daffodil bulb. And I could just see how, it, you know, he was just going, gosh, okay, right, that's a life and it's shriveled up. And then the right environment, every year it comes back alive again. It's the power of regeneration and the resilience in nature. So, so I, I just don't know, I found that quite wonderful, really. I did actually, I did actually use that as an example. At, um, one, of our, one of my old and favourite clients called Amos Goldreich, who's an architect, he invited me to an evening um, last year. And we had to talk about rege designing regenerative spaces. And we had to do this for, you know, how to explain it to a child. And I said, I've got one. I'll do the daffodil one. And they actually recorded me doing it. And I thought, oh dear, this is actually going live, but it's, it's, it's actually powerful. I think I'll, um, you know, obviously definitely teach that, but do more in terms of opening people's eyes so they can see what's around them and try to mirror it in themselves rather than mirror the things that we're, see we're shown, fearful things. And and there's so much passion behind this, Laura. I can really sense yeah, it. Yeah, I know a, how it's built up. <laughs> it's been bubbling under the under the surface for so long. It has, yeah. I think I grew up as a very loving, caring person. My dad always said, like I, I reminded him of his mum. He was really sweet, and he was, you know, he was really happy. But I thought, Dad, God, I'm your oldest daughter. You're supposed to be my dad. I'm not supposed to be your mum, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But I, but I am naturally, I think, you know, above and beyond making sure, you know, I can do everything I can to look after my daughter, um, my brothers and sisters and my mum. I, you know, I want to dedicate my life to looking after people, you know, and, but not, you know, doing it in a way that doesn't exhaust, you know, me or them or anything. It's just finding the, finding the, finding the sort of smart answers, you know, in nature. Um, and in communication that we can all adopt and go, ah, breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that. Well, you finally in. found your flow. You found where your passion meets the sort of profession and your vocation and your mission. It's all folding into one. And it has, yeah. You're clearly, you know, it's exciting, but it's also scary. And, but, you know, you can't, can't be in both places at the same time. You can't be curious and afraid. No, you cannot. You've just got to um, do the one and honestly you know my message out there to anyone thinking about doing what you're doing is you're going to have days which you're afraid but just say okay this is only going to last a day two or three and then you'll be back to you know firing at all cylinders and and today for example was the second day in a row I've actually been going oh god um, and I had a lovely call from someone she's going god you're you're amazing I can't believe what you're doing and, and I was just talking to her about uh, Propel and how she could invest in property and how she invested in herself and then I told her about the the, the um, Brené Brulé, I think it's her name, Brené Brulé. Brené Brown. Yeah, Brené Brown, yeah. Man in the Arena talk. And she was so nice because she sort of kicked me off and going, God, you're doing so much. You're so amazing. I was like, okay, good. Thank you. But um, so that's set me up quite well to come back on here because quite nerve-wracking. <laughs> Do you think that you've taken a lot of the your passion for granted and assumed that that couldn't be your the way that you earned a living? Hundred percent, yeah. And I think I've been uh, my confidence has taken a few knocks, and I'm very glad that I'm, you know, shedding that now. And I'm still only—I just turned forty-one. But yeah, you're right. I definitely haven't thought that that's what could be, you know, could make could be my livelihood. Um, it's strange, but it's true. You, but you just—you've got to get out there and talk to people and notice when people say something nice to you and go near them again. 
and listen to some more things and then sell them some things and um it's where you get your energy from people people is a massive thing but you need to be make sure you know is this person for me is this situation for me that's one of the biggest things I've learned you need to make that decision quite quickly move you know and then move to people who are for you because that's your your energy your brain you know your life force is the most precious thing you've got really to protect it and you mentioned this is your third phase in your career what were you doing before so in my middle phase, which I'm just coming out of, I've just um, spent a couple of years helping some businesses off the ground, some startup businesses. So I'm going to continue actually as a consultant uh, for one of them, and I'll consult for um, one or two other businesses. But I, yeah, so I, I kind of entered a phase, five-year phase um, of working for other people. In the background, I still had this Caribbean business renting villas slowly because that, that kind of t- took actually, took a big hit from their own viruses, chikungunya and Zika virus. So yes, my middle phase is working for other people, working for, so, so building up Propel Network, which is a women in property network, educational and quite inspirational and, and growing very fast. But it's, as I said, it's great and it's exciting and it's taken me a while to p- pull away from it because it's so hard when you when when you can see something and other people getting so excited about something I'm like is this the right thing to do yes previously to that I was running um the relationships at Candle um property club and um, before that I was setting up a online real estate agency in Shoreditch which was which was the when I you know I previously said not being in nature is really hard for me being in Shoreditch every day in a concrete office was really draining. And I'd by mistake taken a job in tech where all we did, we were like a sort of factory, just, just doing the same job every day, really. Well, I was line managing people doing the same job every day. So I said, okay, that's not for me. And um, then I, I worked at a, a branding agency for a while, really good branding agency with a wonderful man called Richard Sunderland, who... Um, he was a big guy in advertising previously. We had a lot of fun and we ran an, um, an account called Orion's. We were building a, a, a super luxury care home in Chelsea. They've, they've sort of commandeered a whole building on Sloan Square now for their sales office. And that was really fun. I felt like that I was in Devil Wears Prada in that, in that job because I was in this building on Richmond Green. It was all amazing. It was beautiful. We had cocktails on Friday afternoon. And that was, that was the, my first job but that wasn't only a few years ago. And previous to that, my first phase, it was, it was I'd set up a Caribbean villa rental and yacht charter agency when I was 20. And it sort of snowballed into being a real estate agency. So I got dragged along into the property world. And then, it, you know, towards the end of that, I, I, some of the investors that I'd attracted through that, because it's a, um, a very wealthy uh, market um, uh, in the Grenadines, in Barbados, um, I acted as an acquisitions agent in London for a while that was that gave me a few moments of I definitely am in the wrong job (laughs) and it's taken me yeah five years really to do the big jump now but I have to say thank you to a couple of people especially my friend Clover Stroud who's who's really who's doing superbly well now um, with her second book out and she has recently I don't know what she's just got five children She's recently lost uh, um, her sister. She's lost her mother. She's a, a strong, one of the strongest women I know. And, and she spends her time just checking in on me. And she, she wrote me the longest letter about setting up Botanic Shed. This is four years ago. She said, you've got to do something about it. 
you know, that was a, that was one of the triggers to say, as you said earlier, why have you not done? Why have you not thought that your your, your skills and your passion could be your livelihood? It took four years to realize that. And I, I, another message I'd like people to realize is just keep on giving yourself the chance. You know, don't give up. Um, the right time will come. I'd really like to thank another guy called Karuna, or not another guy, uh, a guy called Karuna Priya, who is a mindfulness teacher. He taught me mindfulness for six weeks. Um, I just found his you know, postcard in a gym once. I thought, well, I need that. And um, after we've been, he literally messaged me today, which I thought was auspicious. He's the interface chaplain at Imperial College. And he has a company called Akinista Mindfulness that I helped him pro bono. Uh, well, he just carried on training me in mindfulness and I just helped them with their marketing. He is a lovely, lovely guy and a really supportive friend of mine. Esmeralda Sands is a coach. She lives in Notting Hill. She's a wonderful lady. Recent people I've worked with, like Aisha Afori, Jilly Barlow, and, and Hasmita Reardon, have been really, really, really inspirational and kind and to me. So, my, my best friend, Serena Manda, is an, an amazing person. I'd love to give her a shout out. And my family have been lovely. There's too many people. Geeta Trafora Seymour, she's given me a wonderful coaching session. Denise Parker, who's a protege of William Whitecloud. Sorry, too many people. <laughs> but it's incredible because the words of others and the conversations we have with others, and, and you talk about your intuitive teach, uh, coaching, you talk about the mindfulness sessions you've had. And you, you, you mentioned that you were dragged along into property mm. and that essentially you've been propelled with Propel into you know the wellness arena. And now it's just a chance of you taking that step back and being put on the on the course that's right for you and it's taken nature and a, a huge pandemic in nature to put you on the course back into where you belong with nature which I find is a little bit ironic yes it is it's massively ironic yeah it's huge you, you're so right very insightful but Propel has has actually done its job with me really quickly you know it's already propelled me it's given me, you know, access to, well, confidence in what I'm doing um, and lovely people. Being put on a farm in the middle of COVID, you know, when some, some pretty significant other traumas have actually been going on pretty recently for me. I can't, I can't go into them. But, you know, at what could have been the worst time in my life, nature has come and bestowed some kind of gift on me, putting me on a horse farm. Just when I, you know, then putting, bringing me a business partner to kick, you know, say, let's just do this botanic shared business together. And uh, yeah, nature has a funny way of playing tricks. So it's very insightful of you to say. Well, it, I mean, just listening to what you're saying and, and how you, you're talking about resilience and you're talking about how to help others get in contact with nature. And it's, it's you being resilient and you coming back into contact with nature that has caused you to see the, the way forward. Yeah, I think it, I think it would be fair to, 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 to sort of let the viewers know slightly that, yeah, people who don't know me, that I, from the outside, you wouldn't really imagine that I, what I've gone through or how resilient I've been but I don't I'm only saying this because people have recently been you know and I've been listening to compliments more um, about how resilient I am but we all are but I've you know when I was 21 I had a, a very you know I, I had a baby in a very um, 
rough breakup. And, uh, you know, when you're 21, you think, you think, and you've got a baby, you think this is life, it's a dream. You're a child yourself. So I was very, very, very traumatized by the breakup. And um, when then we've, I've just, we've just, as a family, we've gone through a hell of a lot of stuff over the last few years, including my dad um, having very bad dementia, but he was, I mean, dad, I should have, without any of those names, it should have been dad I'd mentioned. He was the prince of laughter, fun, fun, fun and caring and loving and kind, but seeing him die was awful. And with everyone, nearly everyone apart from me and my family has been really, really ill. Like <laughs> it's been horrendous. Um, and I've, you know, I've brought up my daughter now. She's, she's turning 20 in August. Um, and it's been, it's been really, really tough. And like, that's why it's so hard to speak now. Cause I still do. I feel like I do still have, you know, time to, I still sometimes need to catch my breath, but you know, we are resilient human beings. We can, we can do, we can surprise ourselves basically. And I think that, and I know that being outdoors in nature has is my lifeline is because it allows me to observe beauty that's just around us and forget about you know I always talk to people the human relationship stuff is just about 0.0% of our life you know I don't I personally don't like sitting around the kitchen table talking about people and things that happened in human life I rather just be outdoors just communing with my biology really that's also where my part, you know, everything's come together because I was a biologist at school. I loved it. I applied to do biology at Oxford when my dad got ill. I didn't actually get in because I don't think I studied hard enough and I, I wasn't just out of school. And I was in a room full of Chinese, dining room full of Chinese people at Queen's College in Oxford. It's all about thinking, yeah. But yes, this, in, this sort of interest in, in human biology, human technology and, and what's kept me going and when other people may have fallen is, is very interesting and I want to share it with other people. And the gravitational pull that you have with nature, we, we all have it. It's just whether we resist it or not. It's, we, it is our natural environment and, and yet we sort of shield ourselves within buildings, we shield ourselves sort of in relationships and behind technology but actually the the joy of being at one with nature and I've I've had other conversations with other people on podcasts about this is is it is so important for us to recognize our natural environment the environment that we should be nurturing as a, a huge focus it should be our our main concern and often it gets pushed aside yeah I mean ex exactly that I mean my my purpose is is anything it's actually protecting nature by nurturing people because we are nature and we and if we if we don't look after what's around us and us or respect it in that way then where are we really and we're I mean I don't know you know how many people are changing now to meditational kind of techniques and looking at energy healing as a as a, a sort of a valuable and valid way to address their own feelings and and ways that they could make themselves feel better but the truth is we are all just a life force and we're all entangled within within one another and if we don't um do work on strengthening ourselves we can't help each other and um, we can't help the world one of the most beautiful things that's happened actually during covid is you know those days when they were saying about all the swans are out on the canals all the all the all the dolphins are in Venice. 
how quickly nature can bounce back. That shows us how quickly we can bounce back. But, you know, we need to love. You need to forget about the head. And I think where we need, where we can get that from is, yeah, connecting with nature and watching how it is so resilient and so magic and putting ourselves alongside it rather than separate to it. So how much is forgiveness important in the work with love? Massive. I'm, I'm a massive forgiver. I think that's why our families still get on so well. Forgiveness is a huge, huge, huge part of it. You have to forgive yourself for what you think. You have to forgive other people for what they think and what they do. And just look forward. Yeah, I'm a massive... I, that's that, And I think you have to be... If you, you can't be too forgiving all the time because otherwise you're just a pushover. But you just need to move on. You know, nature forgives the storms. Nature forgives, you know, whatever it's given and just fights back. I don't know, I suppose... Yeah, I think it's a very, a very important part in, in human relationships uh, it, it, to have someone around and who's the glue who can forgive and move on. Holding grudges and thinking about the small things that we say and do in the microcosm of much bigger power is really important. You just have to bash on. It's, it's funny you said that. Why, why did you say that? Well, I think it all comes down to forgiveness. You know, if you if you don't hold on to things, it's, it, it's holding on to baggage that no longer serves you, holding on to all sorts of things that you don't see it in nature. If something is not working, it, it gets pushed to the side, as you say, and, and, it, and it's all about survival and moving forward and, and having that strength to grow again to to that daffodil to come back again stronger and more beautiful and and that's the thing it learns from from its lessons each time and and to forgive is is at the foundation of that I think you've just you've just really made me think that um, of someone who said you know in, in, when I was was I interviewing them or talking about selling part of the business to them at Cotswold um, Cottages I think it was this guy he just said in the meeting I can tell you, you're still really wrapped up in this Caribbean breakup thing. Uh, you just got to park it. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And um, and I, you just were making me think, God, I have, I have, I completely straight away forgave my ex-husband, my daughter's father, and other people for you know their part in what happened. But I forgive them. But what I've not done, and not all, I have slowly probably, but it's forgiving yourself is a really big part of it. And it really, that's one of the part of the sort of torture and trauma everyone does every day. It's like, why am I, why did I do that? Why am I not good enough? Why haven't I done more? Why aren't I as far on? And, and you've just, you've just got to accept and forgive that and love and basically just love what you've got here. The basic, simple things like you've got, you've got to breathe today. You know, every day you wake up and you've got another 24 hours. That's it rather than, yeah, I think it was a really big thing there in forgiving yourself, which I think is what possibly what drives people further from depression into further worse mental illnesses, because they're just, you know, talking to themselves and not really happy with themselves about, about their behaviours and other people. So just imagine if your mind is just wrapped up in all of that. So different from a just being in a peaceful state with nature. I have to add one of my most amazing, amazing experiences was when I was doing an, a breathing exercise. It was so long and so full on that at the end it was just, I literally was, I felt like I was, a, I was not even anything. I was just lying on a pebbly 
the bed of a river, the water just shallowly over the pedals, pebbles. And there was, nothing, there was no difference between my body and nature. And that was really peaceful. And you think of that peace and just the fact that you're living and back to it, sort of you're, you're going back to the basis of how atoms, you know, and amoebas started off in creating you without the complication of how do I run this other part of the body and how do I run this other part of the body? And now the body's running. How do I deal with all my emotions and all my crit- inner critic and everything? Well, I've got off on a time. I can't, I can't do, do, do that, but I'd love to inspire people to work perhaps with prisoners and, and people who are suffering really badly with mental health issues. I'd rather work with people in the mainstream to help them be able to achieve their greatness because I think I can do more there and it will be, you know, I can also work with children and older people. I'm really fascinated in intergenerational therapy and how that, you know, the effects of children looking after older people and vice versa can create so much happiness and love. Well, they're the, they're the most forgiving, loving beings, aren't they? They're amazing. So, yeah, I think something I haven't mentioned but I think has been, played a massive part in the last few weeks for me as well, is this is a lady who I met uh, through a friend ages ago um, called Georgia Rivers. She's, she mentioned the Michael Singer Surrender Experiment to me. Have you heard of it? No. It's basically this man, in a nutshell, this man who decided to just live his life by surrender, surrendering and saying yes to anything that he was offered. If, as long as he thought to himself, I won't, you know, if it hurts anyone, I won't do it. If it doesn't, I'm going to do it. And he literally sort of sort of threw himself off a cliff, really, in terms of oh, what's going to be offered to me. Yeah, I'll say yes to that. Yes, I'll say yes to that. And he's actually created, he, he used to be just meditating in, a, in the woods on his own. He's actually become a billionaire. <laughs> it's really weird. Not that everyone wants to be a billionaire. But the surrender experiment has just really helped me because it's, I've, yeah, when the opportunities have come up, I'm, I haven't questioned myself. Or is, it, is this me or anything? I've just thought, yeah, okay, I surrender. No one's going to get hurt. I'm going to do this. So I'd recommend that to anyone. So being brave and getting out of your comfort zone and going yeah. for it. Yeah, exactly. Massively. It is nerve-wracking because you do have certain people in your life who recognise you for being the person you are and you may disrupt things if you change. But um, life's not always going to stay the same, is it? No. So, Lara... It's been incredible hearing about your plans. And, and by the time this podcast is, is live, I would imagine you're up and running. So how will people get hold of you? Yeah, at the moment, you can get hold of me on my Instagram, laracowan underscore botanic shed, and my email, laracowan at icloud.com. Any women invest, interested in investing in themselves and through property can get hold of me at the propelnetwork.com. Yeah, that's, I think, the best way to get me in. I've got a Botanic Shed, the website will be live, botanicshed.com. And I've got a website called laracowan.com as well. Well, I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. So by the time people listen to this, they're all current and they're correct and they're up and running for you. So it's been, as again, as, as I said, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Have you got a final sort of word of wisdom or pearl of wisdom that you'd like to leave with the audience? Um, just that I'd like to thank everyone for listening and that um, and on a very positive note you know I'm living my truth now and I'm really really happy about it and I hope that everyone else 
gets to do it in some way or another. I think living your truth is the best favor you can do to the world because when you live in a state of heightened energy, when you've got passion, the the chemical effect of that is far greater than pushing uphill and something that you want to be good at or you want to do or that you are good at, especially if you're, you have a, an issue of, of doing or being able to do lots of different things. I would just like say to yourself, where do you find joy? When are you, where are you jumping up and down the most? And then identify that and go, okay, I need to bring that into my life. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.